Welcome to the Gonzo Chronicles. I'm your host, Cyrus Alderwood, the official spokesman for Generation X. Stick around. It's going to get weird, as always. Welcome back to the Gonzo Chronicles. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on here. Uh, as usual, things kind of got busy. I got lazy. You know, I could have come on here. There's been so many things that have gone on. You know, we've talked about previously Will Smith and his dumbass. Uh, we've talked about a little bit about Johnny Depp and that trial. But thankfully, the Depp heard defecation trial is now over. Uh, and well, after that, it looks like I'm now richer than Amber Heard. So, hey man, congratulations to me. I bet you're richer than Amber Heard too. So let's all just have a cold drink and appreciate that, uh, that rare thing in life, you know, that we can like say, hey, I got one up on somebody else. I've got more money in the bank than someone else who probably owes, what is she at, like 12 million or something crazy. Anyway, glad, glad the defecation trial is over. I did get a funny meme uh, texted to me. Uh, it was uh, Amber Heard and Kamala Harris. is a picture of them together, both smiling. And at the top, it just said shits and giggles. <laughs> Couldn't help it. It's, it's funny. It's funny. Hey, I wanted to get into an urban legend uh, on this episode. Uh, but let me ask you guys. Do you have a favorite urban legend? Because there's so many of them out there, and we've... You know, I've talked about these on the show before, just various ones, because they're just, God, there's countless, countless of these urban legends. And, uh, yeah, you know, let me just kind of toss a few out there that kind of come to mind. One of one of my favorites is the 27 Club, right? That's uh, the urban legend that these you know, famous musicians and celebrity artists uh, die at the age of 27, and they call it the 27 Club. and uh, you know, Jim Morrison is in that, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse. But the 27 Club really started with Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Jim Morrison of The Doors. Um, interesting urban legend. Really interesting urban legend. Another one's the Annabelle doll. I mean, they've made those movies, The Conjuring uh, and the Annabelle movies. Um, because, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, if you know, you're on the weird side like me. You watch some of these uh, haunted shows, these ghost hunting shows. Well, Ed and Lorraine Warren are very famous. And uh, so they had movies that were based on some of their cases, like Annabelle and The Conjuring. But Annabelle is like allegedly this demon or spirit possessed a Raggedy Ann doll. And if you've seen the movie, you sort of know the rest. 
and I guess this supposedly happened in the 70s. So I chalk that up as an urban legend, even though a lot of people believe it. Um, the Axe Man of New Orleans. Uh, what another amazing <laughs> urban legend. Uh, it's about an American serial killer in New Orleans uh, that went around um, just killing people uh, from May of, I think, May of 1918 to latter part of the year 1919. Uh, yeah, here's another urban legend I thought was quite interesting. I don't know if you've heard of this. This is called the Baby Train. Um, there's this, it's this legend that claims that this small town uh, had uh, a really strange and usually high birth rate because every morning a train would pass through the town like around 5 a.m. It was so loud it wake up all the people. Uh, but since it was kind of too late to go back to sleep, but still too early to get up, the couples were just kept getting it on, and that resulted in some weird mini baby boom. Of course, you don't know what town or what state, any of this, but, you know, it's urban legend out there nonetheless. Uh, the Bell Witch, you know, that one from the early 1800s about that family uh, located in uh, eastern Tennessee. Um, you know, this uh, family claimed that they were under attack by an invisible entity um, that was able to speak, actually, oddly enough. And it actually affected the physical environment around. It shapeshift, and they blamed it on this witch. And so it's called the Bell Witch Legend. Of course, there's the famous one, Bigfoot, Bloody Mary, which is awesome. Here's one that I thought was interesting, the Blue Star Tattoo Legend. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it referred, this was back in the 60s and 70s, uh, referred to a legend that uh, LSD tabs are being uh, distributed around as like lick and stick temporary tattoos that you put on kids. And there goes my phone ring. Hold on. Okay, sorry about that. But that was the uh, the Blue Star Tattoo Legend. Another one I thought was really interesting. I, this is Mercy Brown. I, I think I may have talked about that folklore um, uh, before. Um, she was accused of being a witch and was, <laughs> um, anyway, I, I've, I've talked about that before on here, but have you ever heard of uh, Boo Hags? Now, this is from a, like an African folklore legend of, um, it's a legend of this thing called the Gola. Uh, uh, it's a culture that, uh, the Gola culture, actually. It, it's about these evil souls who stay behind after death. And they become skinless vampire-like witches. And they take over other people's skin and go for what they call a ride. Uh, of course, there's the Bunny Man. This took place in the 70s, uh, early 70s. This took place in uh, Northern Virginia, actually. Um, a couple of incidents up there that sparked this urban legend about a guy who would uh, run around wearing a bunny suit and attack people with an axe. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. No kidding. So, yeah, there's other things out there like Cropsy and, of course, the Curse of Bambino, if you guys are baseball fans. Um, but I'll get into one that, uh, one of my favorite ones here in a little bit. It's, it's about the Falk Monster. And uh, that's, that's a very fun one. I'll get into that in just a minute. However, 
some interesting news out there this week, folks. Elvis is dead. Well, the ones that marry you in Vegas, apparently. Um, the person who owns the, uh, I guess, the likeness and all the you know, stuff there at the, in Memphis, at uh, Graceland, who owns the, you know, all the uh, ability to use Elvis's likeness and whatnot. I guess they sent out a cease and desist order to all Vegas Elvis wedding chapels that, you know, to cease and desist having Elvis impersonators marry people because they, they didn't, they didn't approve or something. And then they backtracked it. But I will tell you, the King would not approve of that move. Elvis ain't dead, baby. Let him marry you all you want to. Whoever in Graceland decided that was a good idea. That might have been like the dumbest idea of the year. That actually might be as dumb as that, uh, oh man, back in the, right before, uh, maybe like 2007. Do you guys remember that dumb show? Uh, Geico had this commercial with, it's so easy a caveman could do it. Do you guys remember that? Well, anyway, <laughs> you know, they, yeah, I think it came out in 2007 and yeah, nothing, I mean, we were still kind of bogged down in Afghanistan and Iraq and, you know, nothing, but nothing bad was happening here in this country. Nothing good was really happening either. This was kind of, uh, you know, that's the same year that the economic recession began with the banking collapse and the, and the housing collapse and all that. But anyway, it was, it was before the election. I remember, I remember that it was before Obama became president. Um, so I guess all these people were looking for the next cheers or friends or Seinfeld or whatever. So ABC thought <laughs> that they would um, partner with Geico and use the cavemen uh, on their commercials and, and started a show called Cavemen. And they thought it was something original, but really wasn't. You know, everybody would seen this on the Geico commercials. They were sort of comical in the commercials, but once ABC got their hands on it, God, it sucked. Yeah, this is an epic fail in American TV history. Uh, actually, it was probably one of the biggest bombs in TV history, um, certainly of that year. And uh, here's the thing. They, the, the premise of this, if you haven't seen this, if you've seen some of these Geico commercials, they've kind of restarted a handful of them last year or the year before with cavemen. But the premise of this show is these cavemen, they're living in a modern world. You know, um, which should have been the first sign for, a, uh, you know, these, these producers of the show not to do this. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, the caveman thing, it, it, the reason I thought it failed, because I don't know if they were trying to be sci-fi, like Neanderthals in the modern world. They didn't explain how they got there. The jokes were terrible. Um, they tried to make it funny, sort of like the commercials, but the jokes, jokes sucked. The writing was bad. Uh, and some of the episodes, here's what turned me off, like the first episode. The cavemen appeared to take social commentary positions. So they, you know, they wanted to be a little controversial or whatever, or take social commentary positions, which, you know, when we watch TV, me and you and everybody else, I assume, um, uh, we go to kind of escape reality. We kind of want to get away from all the things that we see in the news and just have a good laugh, you know? And that show sucked when they started putting social commentary on there. 
And they actually substituted like different ethnic groups for the cavemen in the show. And it was so forced. Um, it was probably quite insulting to the different groups that they might have tried to even substitute for. But they pushed that show hardcore. I don't even think it lasted half a season before they had pulled off. Like it, it went five, six episodes maybe. Um, like, dang, did that show blow. Um, yeah. Thank God that's on Hulu, or I hope it's not anyway. By the way, welcome back to the movie theaters, Toxic Freaking Masculinity. It's about time. Top Gun Maverick is out in the theaters. I have not seen this yet, but everyone I know that's seen this loves it. Absolutely loves it. So I can't wait to go see this, and I can't wait to finish watching Stranger Things, too. But um, it broke all Memorial Day weekend records. And, you know, in this age of, like, everything has to be woke and all this BS, this actually shows that people will go to the movies when they don't have to have woke BS shoved down their throats. And, by the way, good for Netflix, too, because I guess Ricky Gervais had a, a comedy special on there, and I guess he had pissed some people off. And, of course, Dave Chappelle um, and, you know, all this and, I guess he had offended people and in, in the LGBTQ community. This, anyway, if you've seen his last episode, uh, I, I recommend it. If you can tolerate some foul language, go watch the last Dave Chappelle uh, special on Netflix. Make some great points. But good for Netflix in the fact that after they had a lot of people internally complaining about different, you know, uh, different things that they were showing on there that they didn't socially agree with or didn't fit their woke agenda as an employee. You know, Netflix made a point like, listen, we try to appeal to a wide, broad audience. We're trying to build a broad subscription base. So, yes, we're going to have things on there that not everybody is going to agree with. And flat out told them that if they did not like that if they had if they were an employee that had an agenda, um, whether it be right or left, then perhaps Netflix is not the place for them to be working. Good for you, Netflix. Um, you know, I call things out on BS when I see them, and but at the same time, if you do something good, I'm gonna point that out too if it comes to my attention. And let's jump to Stranger Things real quick because I've gotten through one episode, good stuff, but Everybody I know that's seen this has said this is the best season yet. And uh, have you seen it? And do you agree with that? Because I don't know. I thought the first three were freaking awesome. If they can top that again, then good for them. I can't wait to sit down and uh, finish getting through that this week. So it's my birthday month, right? So what else am I going to do other than like my normal nine to five and and uh, work on books and. Uh, Binge watch some good things. Have a few drinks. It's my birthday month. All month, I'm telling you. It's my you know, it's next weekend, but it's all month celebration. You know, only you know, why not? Why not? How many birthdays we have in our lives? Celebrate those son bitches. Now, let's get back to the uh the Falk monster real quick. I'll I'll be brief. I'll be back later on this week, too. We're gonna be talking about some books and giving some spoilers out and making some book recommendations with one of the most astute readers I've ever met. Um, the Falk Monster. Okay, this was uh, an urban legend that comes from the town of Falk, Arkansas. 
And this happened in the early 1970s. You know how I've come to know of this legend? When I was young, in the 80s, um, I was staying the night with a friend. His dad goes down to this place called Woody's Home Video and rents uh, these VHS tapes for us to watch. One of them was a movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek. And that movie was so grainy. It was made in the 70s. But the filming was so grainy. But I loved it. It was so weird. Okay, here's here's what happened. And this uh, this is supposedly this ape-like creature, which I guess you could say is pretty similar to like what people say they see in Bigfoot. This thing was allegedly sighted uh, in Falk, Arkansas in the early 70s and was said to have attacked this local family, or this married couple. Um, however, since then, this, this legend has been part of just like all of Arkansas folklore. Uh, it, it, like I said, it influenced uh, things so much that local businesses started capitalizing on it, still do to this day. And uh, the stories were so profound and, and so influential that in 1972, they made this horror film called The Legend of Boggy Creek. And that's what I saw. It's a cult classic to this day. If you have Tubi on your uh, TV apps, you might want to look and see if it's on there. You can find it somewhere. It's probably on YouTube. But anyway, um, a lot of reports came in between... Uh, what years was it? 1970, 71, 1974, which was the year I was born. And so that's how I remember. Like it was, you know, right before, right after the time I was born, all these descriptions come in about this large, you know, bipedal creature, as they call them. Had long, dark hair. At first, people said it was about seven feet tall, about 300 pounds. Well, that's a pretty skinny monster. A lot of some later reports came along and said it was much bigger. Some said it went up to 10 feet. Some said it went up to like seven and 800 pounds. That's a freaking big monster. Um, some people said it run it would run pretty swiftly. It had this, like a gallop to it. Swing its arms around like a monkey. Um, they, people also said it had a horrible odor. It's like, like a mixture between a wet dog and a skunk, which would make me want to barf. But um, they did find tracks that supposedly belonged to this. And... Uh, the tracks went up to like 17 inches. It only had three toes, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but, you know, prior, let's kind of step back in history because there's so many sightings of creatures, Bigfoot-like creatures everywhere going way back. Um, but people said, uh, I've been saying since like 1964 that this creature has roamed the area. But until that attack and people started actually talking about it, um, no one really, you know, cared to come in and make a movie or a documentary of it or investigate it. Uh, it actually, sightings actually went back like 20 years before that. And, uh, in, a, in an area of Arkansas called Jonesville. And instead of being called the Falk Monster back then, it was called the Jonesville Monster. So wherever it was at, it was called whatever monster after the name of the town. And, uh, anyway, in the, in the seventies, is when it really started catching headlines. Because the, the people it supposedly attacked uh, was a, a married couple, Bobby and Elizabeth Ford, and that was in 1971. Because I think the movie came along in 72 or 73. Um, apparently Elizabeth was sitting on the couch or laying on the couch or something. She thought it was a bear reaching through the screen window. Um, 
but it was chased away by her husband and his brother. But they said they fired several shots at it. They think they hit it. Uh, it was too dark outside, so they weren't going to be chasing whatever this was, a bear through the woods in the dark. So the next morning, they got to see if they could find traces of blood. They found nothing. But they did find a footprint with three toes. Um, but it was sighted again, uh, I think it was like a month later, something like that, um, or, or, or two or three weeks later, when uh, three people uh, saw this ape-like creature crossing U.S. Highway 71 that runs through there. So, you know, more and more people started coming forward saying they've seen this or seen footprints, and, but nobody was able to confirm any kind of authenticity. Um and they couldn't believe, you know, there's a creature with only three toes that weighed that much walking, walking upright. Um, eventually, like, people come in and wanted to go hunt it with dogs. So hunters began to take a lot of interest in this falc monster. And uh, the sheriff actually had to put a temporary gun ban policy in place to, for public safety. And um, actually three people were fined for fraudulent reports, making claims that they seen something they didn't. Anyway, it kind of died down, the interest in it. Uh, then the documentary came out in 72. So by the end of the, you know, 74, you know, about that time, there were no sightings. But it started back up in the late 70s. People started finding tracks again. Uh, this is um, probably a couple towns over uh sightings in like center ridge arkansas um but anyway anytime a dog was missing or livestock were missing or maimed they blamed it on the falc monster so that's an interesting interesting thing <laughs> so the fact that this really cool movie which is a cult classic the legend of boggy creek and then uh they made a follow-up to it because it was so cheap to make but Back then, it made $20 million at the box office. So, actually, it was the 11th most biggest grossing film of the year, which is, uh, it only took, hundred. I think, at the time, $160,000 to make. And most of the people that were in it were just local folks, college students from a local college. But they made a follow-up movie called Return to Boggy Creek in 1977. And can you believe in the 80s, this stuff kept going? Boggy Creek 2, and the legend continues. I remember watching these. And then in 2010, believe it or not, all these years later, 2010, Boggy Creek, the legend is true. And then in 2011, there was another low-budget thing, uh, an indie film that came out um, called the, Le the Legacy of Boggy Creek. It originally came out under a title called The Skunk Ape Story. But, yeah, you'll also hear this thing referred to as a skunk ape. And, uh, when you get down a little further into, say, Louisiana, uh, you've heard it, you know, something similar called the Honey Island Swamp Monster and Momo the Monster. So, yeah, it's it's a fun little urban legend. But it's one of my favorites, actually. So, um, what is your favorite urban legend? Is it Bloody Mary? Is it the Black-Eyed Children? Anyway, inquiring minds want to know. All right, I'll be back soon. Cheers, everyone. I hope everyone goes out and grabs a drink and celebrates my freaking birthday this month. Every time you're out, think of your good buddy Cyrus.
I'll see you on down the road.